Hello, Second Chance Cinema listeners. This is Spro here, the co-host of the show you are about to listen to. Just with the usual warnings, the hosts do swear and we will absolutely spoil the ending of this film. We don't want to do that, though, if you have not seen it. So if you have yet to watch, stick it. Please pause this episode and then come back after you have viewed it. And if you need to be convinced to watch the film, then absolutely listen to this episode. We're going to tell you everything there is to love about it. Enjoy the show. Gymnastics tells you no all day long. It mocks you over and over again, telling you you're an idiot, that you're crazy. If you like running full speed towards a stationary object, vaults for you. If you like peeling pieces of skin the size of quarters off your hands, bars is for you. Because the only thing more fun than rips is when your rips get rips. It's super sexy. In floor? Are you serious? I mean, who doesn't want to parade around in a leotard getting wedges and doing dorky choreography? It's delicious. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode, a bare bones episode, if you will, of Second Chance Cinema. And I say that because for the past couple We've had special guests joining us here in the chat, but today it's just us, the OGs of Second Chance Cinema. I am one of your hosts, MC, and with me from the beginning and through every show since is my wonderful co-host, Spro. Spro, how are you? I'm doing very well, very well. I was just thinking about how this is our third winter. I think our third winter doing this show. I believe we started during a winter. It definitely was cold. It definitely was cold for that Boiler Room episode. Uh, Well, it's the 17th to the 18th, the 18th to the 19th, the 19th to the 20th. So this is actually our fourth. And the movie that we're talking about today is a movie that, honestly, for the longest time, I did not think anyone else knew existed. And I believe that... and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that you put this one on the short list. I think it was my pick, and I decided that, yeah, we should do this one. Is that is that kind of how it went down? Because- I discovered this movie a long time after it came out because I was doing the, what was the bucket challenge? The ALS bucket challenge? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So everybody was dumping ice over their heads, and of course... Then everybody started getting more and more creative. And I was like, all right, I'm going to jump into a bathtub full of ice. And I did that. And at the time, I had like a $5 haircut and I jumped in in my work clothes. And like, I just looked like, I don't know, like a drowned beaver coming out. I was like, I don't, this isn't an attractive image whatsoever. So I was like, let me find an attractive image that I can cut into my. ALS video. And what I did was when I was getting out of the buck at the bathtub, I cut in Missy getting out of her bathtub full of ice in stick it. So that's how I discovered it. Like I discovered that little scene and I was like, what is this movie? And then I watched the movie and I was like, why don't I know about this movie? This is like pitch perfect meets bring it on. I don't know. That's that's actually a really good. uh, First of all, I had no idea that that's how you discovered the movie. That's a great story. That ice bath scene is like I've seen movies with ice baths and ice treatments before. For some reason, that one hits different in how painful and uncomfortable it looks. And actually, last night I looked up because I knew we would talk about it. I looked up purpose of an ice bath and 
it's basically just to sort of like manipulate the blood flow so that swelling goes down and then injuries heal faster or, you know, muscles heal faster and watching it again, like it made me physically uncomfortable just because of how she looked so uncomfortable. Like just the ha ha ha, like props to you for doing it. It is definitely a sense. I've done it before. It's definitely a sensory overload. And I, 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 I can't imagine a situation in which I would want to do it again. You know, like how people like take cold shit, like, I don't, I don't know why anybody would want to take a cold shower. Of course, I think there's it's, the old adage, like, if you're extra hormonal, you know, go take a cold shower. There's that feeling like you can't breathe in a cold shower. I don't understand that at all. Like, I don't understand that human reaction. Those people, too, who, like, what was the thing from Seinfeld, like the Penguin Club or whatever, where he would just dive into the frozen Hudson River? Kramer, that's a real thing. Like people, you know, ice dive and ice swim or whatever. Cold shower is one thing. Like I've, I could survive a cold shower, but like the ice bath feels so just all at once jarring. I like the cold. I just don't like it all over my body at once quickly. (laughs) So let's get started with our most enduring tradition, the wheel of poetry. What we're going to do is we're going to play the trailer for the movie, stick it. It's a movie about a rebellious gymnast, which you probably could have sold me on that tagline alone, but it turns out to be a movie about judgment, self-esteem, and self-confidence. Turns out to be a movie about shitty, manipulative parents. There's a lot of layers to the movie. So what we're going to do is we're going to play the trailer, and as we play the trailer, we're going to dive into the Wheel of Poetry, which is a Wheel of Fortune-type spinner that has five different types of poetry on it. They are limerick, haiku, ABAB poem, song parody, or toast slash roast. And whatever we land on, we've got the amount of time that the trailer takes to write one of those that has to do with the movie. So without further delay, all right, here we go. That's it. Uh, how fitting that you and I are, are recording this as the original duo and we've landed on Haiku, which is how we started this whole thing. So we're going to play the trailer for Stick It and we're each going to write a Haiku and we're going to come back and hopefully they'll both be awesome. I have no doubt. Here is the trailer for Stick It. Every day I break the law of gravity. And sometimes other laws get broken in the process. Let's get out of here. If I was lucky, I would have gotten sentenced to juvie. Instead, I got sent back to the world. I thought it escaped forever. Welcome to the Vickerman Gymnastics Academy. What is she doing here? Why all the hate? When you walk out on finals and lose Team USA some team gold, it's not personal, it's national. Bailey Graham has come out of retirement to train with us. You've really gotten skinny, fat. Oh, goody. Jealous, Haley. Can you tell Joanne that I'm going to do a real dismount? Haley's going to do a real dismount. Put down the phone. Haley! We work one way around here, that's my way. Or we can call the judge. You decide. Way to build trust. I couldn't resist. Can you imagine making it all the way to finals and walking out? It's totally insane. 
That was for finals. Are you kidding me? It's not called gymnastics. The IG Classic is coming up in a couple of weeks. This could be your last chance to turn your life around. If you think that I'm getting on this competition floor with some stupid cookie-cutter routine, you are seriously senile. You gonna hurt yourself? Probably. Just don't get blood on the equipment. Okay, guys, let it rip. If you're gonna eat Matt, you eat Matt Hart. Get in the truck. You no voice. <laughs> I'm so shaking things. <laughs> Call me. Stalk you. Dude, how do we not know about this sport? Stick it. I think you should get back on the trap again. I mean, just to make sure you still suck. All right, welcome back. That that was a really fun trailer, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. It was a very of the time trailer. It was almost like like it was very very quick paced and it was very pointed and clear with regard to what like what the movie's going to be about. But then you watch the movie, like it draws you in the trailer, you watch the movie and you realize like I said, there's a lot of layers to this movie. So, right. The soundtrack of the movie The soundtrack of a- this movie is bananas. Like we we'll talk about this later. Let's get our haikus out of the way because you're right. I wrote that down as part of my notes. The soundtrack of this movie is just bananas. All right, you want to go first? Sure. Not called gymnastics. Missy Peregrine, hello. Call you? No, stalk you. This might be the first time that we've ever written haikus that begin and end with the same line. Because mine <laughs> goes, Haley is badass. Tough girl. A lot going on. Not called gymnastics. That's that's easily one of the best puns of the past 10 years. Oh, man, there were a lot of them in Bring It On. Like, you're like a cheer loser or so, like stuff that was really like forced. But that one was so like clean and clever that I remember even watching it the first time being like, whoa, that was a good one. So the plot of this movie, we've got Haley, Missy Peregrine, who I believe you had or have a thing for. Oh, my God. And not even so. The other reason why I discovered this movie is because she was on a show that nobody watched watched and was canceled i think after one or two seasons called reaper i know of it i never watched it but i remember definitely oh, the show. it was phenomenal it was such a good show it was so fun and it was about a guy who was told like he is going to hunt demons that come to the living world the guy that plays him is almost like a cross between devin sawa and chris evans a phenomenal actor that brings you in. And then Missy Peregrine is like the girl that works at Target or Walmart and he has a crush on and he's trying to woo her while battling demons. Like it was a very fun, it was like a male version of Buffy the Vampire Slayer or Charmed, you know, for the guys. And I just... Interesting. I super liked it and it just, it got canceled because they put it on. It was like, I don't know when they put it on. It was USA, I think too, which somebody has to recommend a show like Suits for you to go find something on USA Network. <laughs> like like uh, Burn Notice, Duckman or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like I haven't watched USA Network since just the 10 of us went off air, but Reaper, Reaper was the, was the show to go to. Just the 10 of us. Wow, man, that was a show. That was, if, <laughs> if I were, if, if I recall, that was that was a spinoff of Growing Pains, wasn't it? He was the gym coach 
the gym teacher on Growing Pains, and then they gave him a spinoff where it was him and then his wife and eight kids, seven of which who were girls, four of which I think they were all teenagers, but they were all like good looking. And then they ended up somehow at an all boys school. Is that how it went? And so it it just turned into this like, oh, shenanigans all over because they're hot girls at an all boys school. Is that right? I don't know. I remember them all sleeping in the same room with like one bed on each wall. I don't know if I just watched the same episode over and over again, but or they just snuck out every episode and and talked about the consequences of sneaking out. But that's all I really remember. And I, you know, for whatever reason, I put Elizabeth Berkeley on the show, but I know it's not her, but it's the same type of like 5'11 blonde with crimped hair. Weren't all of them or most of them in Nightmare on Elm Street movies at some point? (laughs) Oh, maybe it was. Maybe it was the girl that like was doing the bench press and then got her elbows broken back is what I'm thinking of. It's possible. So anyway, so so stick it. Haley, our main character, is a teenage rebel. We're first introduced to her as she's biking through a construction development of new homes with her friends. And they do this somewhat like predictable reveal where she takes off her helmet, which has been obscuring her face the whole time. She throws her hair down and you're like, Oh my gosh, it was a girl. And you're just like, she's just like a Sith dark Lord at first. And it culminates in her running away from the police and blah, blah, blah. She gets sentenced to juvie or she's given the option to go back to gymnastics because she was a former world-class gymnast who just, for whatever reason, which we learn later, decided to just bail on the sport and caused a lot of controversy and all that. And the judge kind of does a weird 180, which I don't know if this is legal because she she gives her the, the option. She's like, you can go to juvie or whatever it was, or you can go back to gymnastics. And Haley's like, definitely juvie. And the judge is like, ha, gymnastics, got you, bitch. And it's like, <laughs> it's like I don't, I mean, I, I, I guess I I suppose she doesn't really have a choice in that case, but that was just kind right. of a mean thing. I'm pretty sure the judge was the caseworker for Mrs. Doubtfire, so that's where you might recognize her from. Ah. Uh, but yeah, so then Haley goes to the gymnastics academy of Jeff Bridges, Bert Vickerman, and he sort of got his own reputation from what I recall. I think there was a line something like more injuries than gold medals or something like that that sort of paints him in this not so flattering light. And she goes there immediately. The girls who are there recognize her as like, oh, it's that girl, the girl who, you know, ruined her her life and Team USA's life and whatever. And she's just kind of got to ride it out until her quote unquote sentence is up. And as she I, I don't want to say endears herself but as her and the uh, the rest of the girls come to their various levels of understanding we learn that the movie's kind of a lot deeper and we learn that toward the end I thought the ending of this movie was incredibly clever because I never competed in gymnastics I was never good but I did it for six years and so you know same thing with martial arts like you're very aware of the system that judges you when it comes to competition and and the end of this movie is basically just kind of an fu to not just that system, but sort of like, quote unquote, the system in general. Like I said, the movie came out in 2006. I probably didn't see it until, I don't know, years and years later. 
it's one of those movies that s- seemed to pop up quite a bit on the show where I was in my, um, you know, 10 year stretch of crippling depression. And I just watched all the time because it was always on. And it's just a really like layered movie that makes Haley a very sympathetic character. As you were talking, I was thinking there's also a little bit of like a dance moms element. Because oh, God. Uh, the moms are everywhere in this and, and Jeff Bridges has to appease the moms as much as make champions out of their daughters. And that just that to me just seems like a personal hell of like trying to weigh those two relationships. The parents, all the parents in this movie are just wretched. Like they're just yeah. they're just terrible. Her dad, Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite, her dad, meet him first at the beginning, then he doesn't come back. It's alluded to that he just sort of paying her way out of trouble by sending her to gymnastics camp instead of juvie then we meet her mom later and her mom is just like you said classic dance moms like beauty pageant mom like eyes and teeth sugar like just (laughs) just revolting as a character and it's just this smarmy like and, and and the best part is that Haley's like on the floor outside his office listening and rolling her eyes and I guarantee you that that skeezy businessman coach, like that's not made up. That's 100% real. And the way that they captured the unsavory aspect of the parents and I, I would almost say adults, but Jeff Bridges really, you know, he redeemed, he certainly redeems himself right. multiple times, but the parents in this movie are just ghastly. Well, that's one of the themes, right? That one of the themes is these parents are pressuring the the girls at for what they want to achieve at the expense of their children's childhoods you know like the film does a great job of showing the interaction between kids and what you realize is that they're all the vitriol that they spew all the trust that they do not have in each other is mainly because that is what their parents instilled in them when they're together and they're like seeing eye to eye they are fantastic teammates they come together as a team they they you know hug each other they cry on each other's shoulders they support each other but once you throw the parents into the mix like these girls are being catty to each other and then trying to be the the overall winners instead of thinking about the the team sport aspect of all so i think like that was one of the themes that i kept tracking through the movie is just like man do we do this often like i'm sure when it comes to olympic gymnasts like there's no way that somebody achieves the glory of the olympic dream without enjoying what they do but how much of that comes at the expense of parents being like well you're not going to quit now you know like how many and then with all the training with the diet with everything that they have to go through like it sucks for some of these girls so it's like nice to it's nice to focus on like the joyous aspects of of the sport you don't really ever hear any of the girls say like oh i love gymnastics so much that's why i do it like they're just kind of there they're just kind of at the gym training they're all very good elite level Haley goes out of her way to say that she hates gymnastics but we learn later that there's a little bit more to that but none of the girls are there like and and that's a theme like i'm thinking back to like varsity blues uh mox jonathan moxon the beak he admits that you know he likes playing football or he at least liked playing football when they were like peewee football and all that kind of stuff but as it mutates into this spectacle it becomes all about like the parents and the town and the coach and the expectations and the pressure and stuff like that and it's kind of the same thing here where 
you know, the girls don't profess their love of the sport. And they also, you know, to be fair, they don't criticize the the sport as having, you know, like ruining their lives or anything like that. And they do a pretty good job of showing like the difficulty of, of the exercises they do and the training they have to go through and all that stuff is just bonkers. Right. And like then, if you don't like falling, don't do gymnastics because that's yeah, all and I mean, do. when I did gymnastics, it was just for like for fun and just like fucking around. Like I want to learn how to do a backflip. I can't tell you how many times I broke my big toe in addition to, you know, like pulling muscles and stuff like that. And I wasn't even like I wasn't even good. Like these girls doing all this like crazy, crazy you know, shit that gets tricks named after you and flips named after you and stuff like like watching this movie, the the montage that she goes through where she's training by herself and she keeps falling and falling and falling. You're kind of like, man, this is this is the stuff you don't see that this, this shit is tough. This is just a mean, mean sport. Like I love gymnastics, like gymnastics is one of my favorite Olympic events, you know, with like the Summer Olympics. And I will be proud to confess that I shed some salt water after the Carrie Strong moment of what was it? 96 Olympics, 92. When she broke her ankle, um, that one. Yeah. And then vaulted again. And just, uh-huh. you know, like that whole dream team of like Dominique Mociano, Dominic Dawes, like Shannon Armstrong, like that whole team was just phenomenal to watch. Um, but they make it look so easy. <laughs> and the other thing about gymnastics and the Olympics in general, it's hard to watch these sports where it comes down to a judge's critique. You know, like exactly, that's another yep. reason why like I lean toward a race or, you know, something, a timed event. These judged events like diving and gymnastics is just it boils my blood more than half the time. Like, I'm like, I don't agree. <laughs> events and four judges per event. That's 16 judges ready to tell us just how badly we suck. 16 people ready to tell us just how perfect we're not. But here we are, chasing perfection. The problem is, perfection doesn't exist. But just try telling that to the judges. Can you move, please? Oh, you're very clever. No, no, we decided her start value is a 9.8, not a 10. You know the strength required for that move? Do you realize what you're going to be doing to this girl? I'm quite aware. Thank you very much. Is this really about her routine? Look, we don't want to encourage the girls to attempt such a dangerous skill and risk injury. (laughs) Surely, you know, with your track record, you could understand that. I mean, probably, anyway. Oh, I understand. Could you move, please? It doesn't matter how hard we run or how high we flip. Leave your hands on the vault table too long, deduction. If you use one arm instead of two, big deduction. And if your feet clip the vault before they hit the floor, you're done. So you say you want lyrics in your floor music? (laughs) Huge deduction. Music finishes, but you don't? Two-tenths deduction. It doesn't matter how well you do. It's how well you follow their rules. And that? just blows. It's a little bit crazy, Elfie, that Nastia Lukin threw a quad twist on floor exercise and get a deduction on a silly technicality. I can't believe it. It's a commentary on judging and how it's got to change. Kaylee Graham gave the performance of her life tonight. 
There's no way she should have ended up seventh in the standing. She might have been shut out of the all around, but the judges can't keep her out of this the event. This is tomorrow. completely subjective to, like you said, the judges who Haley just basically is like, you know, hey, none of these judges can do what we do. That really hit me because that's like. There was an old saying that I learned, don't accept criticism from someone you would never go to for advice. And it's like, you see the judges in this movie, nothing against their physical appearance, but they're all older. They're all, you wouldn't expect these people to be able to to do triple back twisting layouts off of a vault based on the way they're portrayed in the movie. And that's a good point. Like, who are they to judge the difficulty of a, of a trick? And, you know, fair enough. They don't, they don't go into the backstory of the judges. Maybe these judges are all former world champions and they do know their shit, but the way they paint them is not in that light. And it makes it seem really, really unfair. And that's ultimately what Haley and her team end up protesting against. The whole judge not lest you be judged. I mean, there's so many analogies that you can make like in everyday life. And one that I want to bring up is, and we could get into it right now, is the critics, you know, like the movie critics. Oh, Uh, yeah. Food critics is one thing. Like when it came to Yelp, I was yelping because I was good like writing practice. And and I also, you know, I worked in a kitchen for 10 years and I was able to, I could give like some insight. But then Yelp was like, do you want to be elite? And I was like, no, I don't want to be an elite member of Yelp. Because the other thing, the problem with Yelp is there's people that have never worked in the service industry judging servers for like what they're doing. Like you don't understand that on a busy Friday night, you might and five people call off and you have seven tables by yourself. Like people be like horrible service because I didn't get a refill in like three seconds or whatever. Like along with I can't stand rotten tomatoes anymore. (laughs) And the more that like we do these shows, And the more that I'm like searching for critiques of these films that we do, the more I'm realizing that Rotten Tomatoes is a horrible barometer of what makes a movie good or enjoyable or entertaining. And for whatever reason, it's the industry standard now. Like you see a Rotten Tomatoes score on almost every trailer that you see. And it's usually on opening weekend when nobody has seen the movie. So they're like 199% on Rotten Tomatoes who because one person liked it. So the one thing that I want to say about judging a movie based off of Rotten Tomatoes and really what we do with this show is if the critic score is like 50% of what the audience score is, trust that it's probably a good movie and the critics just didn't get it. Like this one is 31% on Rotten Tomatoes by the critics, 73% by the audience score. And I feel like if you go through the Second Chance Cinema repertoire, you'll realize that these are the movies that we are looking at is that movies that the audience enjoys, but the critics buried. And this film gets undue. There's no reason to criticize this movie. It's it's a female empowerment movie. It's kind of like the same thing that we ran into with Little Giants. And it was just a bunch of male critics being like, yeah, no, it wasn't good. And it's like, it, this movie's not for you, bro. This movie is to show, you know, like that, that you could be friends with two guys and there's no relationship implicate like that was phenomenal to see that there you know like missy peregrine didn't fall in love with my boy kellen lutz who you know i have a special place in my heart because he's playing the lead in my movie and this is his film debut but like in any other movie of this day and era missy peregrine would like there would be like a love triangle there you know and that would be like Mm -hmm. the the b storyline but there's not like she's just a heteronormative girl who just has guy friends who she could punch in the shoulder because they're being assholes, you know? Can you believe this? Did you see it? Yeah, I saw it. Are you t- 
totally covered in soda. Yeah, great, thank you. So pissed at that kid, we were totally gonna throw drinks on you. I feel so upstaged. I mean, what, they think they can just hate on you like that? I know, dude, who do they think they are? The fakers, that's who. Can't stand fake Haley. It's a bloody outrage, I tell you. We hate Haley more people, so get in line! Would you shut up? Can I be upset? Can I go compete now? Can I eat? So hungry, let's get some nachos. One question out of that brilliant assessment. <laughs> no, it, no, and it really was. It was it was very insightful. What is a Yelp elite? An elite Yelp member is somebody that has that writes review like writes and writes and writes reviews. It has nothing to do with necessarily the content of your reviews or how helpful they are. To me, Yelp should be something to help the restaurants either get publicity or get better, right? I used Yelp really to point out a particular service uh, member's service, you know, to me. Like, I'd be like, I had this waitress. She was phenomenal because in this day and age, the critics are the loudest, right? The the people that want to demean everything across the board, they're the ones that are shouting from the rooftops where people with compliments now are like swimming in the gutters. So I feel like we have to have more positive in the world. But yeah, a Yelp elite member is usually just somebody that is prone to tearing down two to three restaurants a week. So it's just quantity over quality in terms of how much bullshit you can write on Yelp. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, I don't want to broad brush any category, but there's certain rascals on Yelp that try to get blowback from the managers. Or there was a time that I was like, I had bad service at this place because these people were on their phones, you know, like a manager can't see everything. So I was like, these people are on their phones and, you know, like you got to tighten up this ship and the sales and people. It's funny how quickly somebody says like, I will get you a gift certificate. You know, like if you come back, like I'll get you a gift certificate. And most of the time I'm like, I didn't, I didn't write the Yelp review for a gift certificate. I'll come back. Just <laughs> Just, just fix right. the problem. The food was good. And I think like that's one of the things that people also write negative reviews for because they know that there's no such thing as sweepstakes anymore. Now it's critique and get free stuff. Mm-hmm. I think you're categorizing the, the human race in general as largely terrible, which... I don't disagree with <laughs> at this point. You brought up the point about the critics. I think I read Ebert's review of the movie and it felt like he didn't take it seriously, which fair enough. I mean, it's not a beautiful mind or, or whatever. But if this movie came out like, so let's see, 2006. So, you know, even though a female protagonist like this would have been a very powerful movie for me to see in high school or even like junior high only because of just what a strong character she was. And and the big reveal that, that we get into later in the movie is that the reason she abandoned the team and walked off the floor and quit gymnastics is because her terrible, disgusting mother was having an affair with her coach uh, that ended up destroying her family. To me, that reveal was like an M. Night Shyamalan twist because mm. it's a very specific moment when they're at one of the meets. You know, Jeff Bridges is just about to give up on her and he's like, you know what? Maybe you should. I forget the other coach's name, but he's like, maybe you should go back to the other coach's studio. He seemed to be able to. And then she cuts him off and she's like, 
be able to stick around long enough to hook up with my mom. And you're just like, what? And then you realize, like, then she starts explaining, you know, that gymnastics essentially is what ruined her family. And you put into perspective all of a sudden, looking back on all the stuff that she did, all the rebellion and all this stuff, you're just like, you know what? I get it. Like, you you walk the hell out of there if you want to, because that fucking sucks. And yeah. that was, to me, that was such a brilliant and borderline heartbreaking plot device that they threw in there. And it made her ultimate, you know, her victory much more triumphant. Because she, it starts with her relationship with her father, right? Like, the mom mm. isn't around and, and she gets arrested and the father says, you're going to go to VGA. He kind of works it out with the judge. There's that good exchange where he's like i don't i don't know what got into you You know you you used to be such a good daughter and she was like well i guess we're even because you used to be good father you're like whoa Mm. whoa there's a lot to unpack in that relationship certainly a lot to unpack Um, in that relationship and this (laughs) whole movie because packing up (laughs) that's i mean to me he he doesn't get a fair shake the father uncle rico because he just kind of gets dismissed and you assume that like he's a piece of shit when really in the end and he might be a piece of shit we don't know but in the end it's revealed more so that it was this opposing coach and the mom who hooked up and sort of ruined the family which is just like i mean man what a shitty situation like if if you're doing something that like let's assume that she loved doing gymnastics and then that happened like to not only have the thing that you love gymnastics taken away and then your family torn apart like that's to me that like galvanized her as one of the more intensely strong characters in a movie that's in the sports realm you know and it's a shame that it's such a an underrated and unseen movie you know and i'm not (laughs) definitely not a parent neither are you but i feel like with our experience with you know young people we like this is a character that they could benefit from seeing the culmination of the movie is a huge f you to the system again and i'm putting air quotes around that too because they figure out in this really ingenious way that at this gymnastics meet they can control who wins by deciding amongst themselves the competitors deciding amongst themselves who they want to win which you know there's a little bit of a faulty logic kind of there because everybody wants to win but they decide who they think would be the best representative of the sport of the team whatever they let that person do the routine and then the rest of them all just go out and do what's called a scratch which is where they just either go out and don't do anything or they go out and like flick their bra strap at the judges or they go out and just fuck around and then ultimately because because of the person that they chose to win has the highest score by default that person wins and so it's this really really clever way to beat the system of gymnastics judging and in a way it extrapolates into you know controlling your own narrative really which again you know watching it recently it's it struck me the same way as as it did the first time i saw it i was like that is really just like a badass move i have to believe it's and this might just be my cynicism, but I don't think that would ever happen in real life, no matter how perfect the circumstances. So to see it enacted kind of just, you know, visually and tangibly like that was a that was just a cool thing to watch. Definitely. There's something about and you hit on it that, you know, neither of us have kids, but we both work with a large population of kids. 
I do it as a before and after school program where it's less structured and it's mainly, you know, on a social level, trying to let let kids be kids and adjust to life and coping mechanisms and everything like that. And the teachers that will walk by the school are like, me and God bless you. God bless you because the kids are running amok and they're being children. And I'm like, there's something that gets lost. And I'm trying to pinpoint the age, but somewhere between 12 and 14, where we really dive into kids. And then start inciting like all the sociological, society driven ideals of competition, you know, and being the best and not only being individuals, but being the best at what you do and, and putting that pressure on kids. And, and that's sad to me because what I love about my job and what I love about children in general is and to see the world through their eyes and whatnot is that it's I don't know the meaning of life. But I'm pretty sure they have a better sense of it than what we get when we get into our bills and our mortgages and our, you know, like and and trying to pay the man and everything like that. And so that's what I love about these films. And when the parents come in, it's almost like the embarrassing moments of like meet the parents when Ben Stiller just can't do anything right. And you're and you just got to like those scenes. I'm like, oh, God, these <laughs> these fucking adults <laughs> type of thing. And then like when they get on the mats and you know they're coming up with like clever phrases and they're like secretly flicking each other off and uh i forget i know the one girl's name is Weiwei, and she's got the blonde girl right next to her and their facial expressions as they watch everything go down like these are my favorite moments of the movie of just these girls who have a lot of pressure on their shoulders just finding a way to be to be kids i said pointy feet not pointy words Pointy words are mouse turds. I'm okay. She's crazy. I'm so jealous of Joanne that I've actually already memorized her preschool beam routine. Hey, easy. I choreographed that routine. You're a cigarette slave with me. <laughs> Mina, right? Yeah, Mina. Mina, put down the phone. Can you tell Joanne that I'm going to take over and do a real dismount? Joanne Haley's on the phone. She's going to do a real dismount. I heard her. Thank you. The parents in this movie are just incorrigible. And I say the parents, not the adults, because Jeff Bridges starts that way, you know, as very authoritarian and very just kind of doesn't give a shit, just wants the money and all that. But then it's revealed later that he actually it's not not just that he cares about Haley because she's the main character, but also that he really does care about, you know, not just the safety, but like the progress and like the welfare of these girls who many of the parents see him as treating strictly as students instead of young people. His transition from like hard ass, no nonsense culminates when she she starts to like run away and he tracks her down in his car and then they go to a diner and they have this conversation and this sport is a total joke. You know this. Sort of just your life's work and all. No offense. Hey, none taken. You know, there's nothing fair about a girl landing a double pike and losing a tenth because her telephone pointed. Nothing fair about judges who don't have instant replay and are looking for perfection. Can you imagine football without instant replay? Oh, what about the rules? Man, what, the code of point? Yeah, I mean, it hey. makes conventionality good and innovation bad. What's the point? How about the fact that you were one of the greatest natural talents the sport's ever seen? Hmm? Come on, you could have been great. 
You're not actually pushing the you could have been great speech. You are a total cliche. You realize that, right? Oh, okay. Come on, uh, original recipe. Let's hear it. You give me the speech. Fine. Uh, talent out of the ass. Natural ability that half the world's gymnasts would kill for. And you're flushing it away. Don't flush your life away, kid. Step away from the bowl. Whatever. Well, you got the words right anyway. I wasn't great. I was obedient. I'm sick and tired of being judged. I don't need it. It's very like tete-a-tete. It's not, you know, they haven't bonded with each other or learned to trust each other yet. And then there's a part at the end where he sort of gives her an ultimatum. He's like, so you can come back, you can train in the auxiliary gym and you can go to college on a gymnastics scholarship or whatever. And then she says, and if I don't, and then he just, as he's about to drive away, he goes, if you don't, you know what, Haley, nobody cares. And that, like, I remember that I, I say that to myself sometimes, like in my head, I'm like, if something doesn't go my way, or if like, I do something and and it's not, it's a very humbling, if I'm in a situation where I, I think that something matters a lot, I definitely repeat that quote to myself to remind myself that it probably doesn't because he's very much just like, you know what? Nobody gives a shit. I mean, it, it would be, a, it, it'll be a weird blip on our radar at VGA, but ultimately no one cares. And then fast forward to both of them sort of giving and bending a little and realizing that they can trust each other. And then ultimately resulting in his role as a very obvious sort of father figure to her toward the end of the movie, mentoring and protecting and ultimately helping her get where she needs to be. But that quote where he says, you know what? Nobody cares. Like that took me by surprise the first time. And that echoes in my head probably at least once a day when I'm thinking of like all the shit that I think is matters. And and you really realize that like none of it does. Well, that's the funny thing. Like the critics like came down on this movie because they had said it was cliche. That's his inspiring speech. (laughs) (laughs) like that's what gets her motivated you know like that's not that a cliche would be like we're gonna you know you got 60 second floor routine for the rest of your life what happens on this mat matters more than anything else and and no the the inspiring speech of this film is you know what Haley, if you don't come back to the gym nobody gives a shit you could go to juvie and whatever you know, was like, that your um, was that your Gary Sinise impression, or I forget <laughs> I forget where we are with impressions. I just know they all sound the same. Like that was either your, I think that, that was, was my your, Nick Nolte, uh, your Nick, Nolte Nick Nolte, or like your Monroe <laughs> Kelly uh, from Congo or something. They all just they all sound the same by now. Oh, in my head, I got super excited because I said sixty seconds on the mat, nothing else matters. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. So there was a little like inner nice. plug. See, I didn't even I didn't even I didn't even catch that. But you're right. It's a very very much like it's the antithesis of the classic motivational speech. It's not the locker room, I don't want your lot. No, that's not the speech. No, he doesn't say that in the locker room. Um, yeah, that was in the house. Oh yeah, that was in the house. But it's not the Varsity Blues speech. It's not Rudy. It's not any given Sunday. It's none of that. It's all just like, life will go on without you. You know, he, sa- he says that and there's subtext to it. Of course, there's the subtext of like, you'll have wasted a potential. You'll have, I believe you'll have blown a big opportunity, but life will go on without you. Well, and Jeff- Bridge is fantastic, right? Fantastic actor. I, I spent half the movie trying to figure out how his mouth is constructed. You know? <laughs> Between him, sometimes I get him and Dennis Quaid mixed up for that very reason, because they both always look like they're sucking on sour candy at some point. Yeah. You know, 
the role that he played, like, I feel like that was a pretty accurate portrayal of of that type of a character. I mean, you spend a majority of this episode talking about how complex that character was. And you get none really. If this was a cliche movie, they would go into his backstory and why he is the way that he is. And they don't really touch upon that. They just show this man wants three things. He needs money for the gym, right? So he's got to be that sleazy sales guy. And I feel like he knows it because he shares looks with Missy, like, look, I, you know, I got to do what I got to do to keep the lights on. Two, he wants the girls to succeed because there is that personal accomplishment. You know, like, I feel like when the girls do well and, and stick the landing that he, he enjoys being that person that got him to that level. But three, he's a decent guy. And when Missy is crumbling in front of him, when Haley is crumbling in front of him, he immediately drops all the exteriors. You know, he's he's spending money on her. He's spending the money that he's sleazing his way to. And he's saying, like, this isn't making you happy. Then just walk away. It's revealed, too, that he, the mother, the stupid mother, God, I hate her. She <laughs> sort of throws it in Haley's face like, sugar, none of the other gyms wanted to wanted you to come to them your father had to pay vickerman 30 or three times as much as anyone else and blah 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 and so eat that sugar and just like just throws that in her face and then it's revealed later when Haley goes to have her like i don't know hearing with the judge that he used that money to pay off all of her damages so that she's not on the hook legally for anything anymore i don't think they i think they i think it's implied it's it's very strongly implied it's not outright said but there's that and then they paint him he's not this like al pacino any given sunday coach where he's so highly regarded that even when he fucks up, it's seen as something kind of infallible because they have that whole scene where he it's like a moment of levity where he gets on the trampoline and starts doing flips. And he's like, oh, this is bring back to the old days. And then he does a flip and flies off the screen and like breaks his leg or something and shows that there's so much of a family dynamic here within this training camp. It's very, very self-aware and it's very, very um, effective in the way that both he and Haley they're onion characters they've got many many layers that they both sort of bond over as they're peeling them back this movie hinges on the performances of jeff bridges and missy peregrine and i i don't think it's phoned in at all i think they deliver really good i think they carry the movie and it's fun to watch who cared right who cared what they think seriously though they judge us all day long and no one ever judges them. No one judges the judges, hey? That blue blazer, that means they're perfect. Oh, flawless, yeah. infallible. Cannot fight the blue blazer. Eh, this is probably my last, but I'm gonna have a good time. Come on. Ah, you know, lightning doesn't strike twice. You guys, you're my lightning. My last hurrah. At least I'm gonna go out with a bang. I can find one. Gross. Uh, listen, seriously. Go to bed early, yeah? Big yeah, day yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. So the soundtrack we mentioned at the beginning, like the soundtrack, and that was the first thing that popped into my head when I watched the movie. I was like, this soundtrack is amazing. There was the big moment at the end is Blink-182. There's a big montage of her training to Green Day. So there's a lot clearly of like the pop punk 2000s influence. Then there is Jurassic 5, so like kind of mainstream slash underground hip hop. That's actually a perfect song for that scene. The song that the girl does her routine to at the end, K 
seven. Yeah. So the soundtrack too was like very, very of the times. Yeah. So like the funny thing, like Brains Two by Green Day, that is such a good song. Like that song just works like wherever it is thrown in. And I will like I watched this with Texas, mm-hmm. and you know as soon as that song came on, she was just going dunant dunant. Mm-hmm. Like that song just pumps you up no matter where it is. How do you watch a movie with Texas exactly? A virtual date, really, in this day and age of COVID and whatnot is you, one person starts the movie and then gives the other one the timestamp. So you're like, all right, I paused at seven seconds. And then you do the, you know, then the other person pauses at seven seconds. Then you do the three, two, one play and you just both watch and we do Facebook Messenger video. I did not know that was a thing. So I mean, yeah, we could actually watch a movie together if you ever wanted to. I would love to have a date like that with you. I didn't realize. So this was written and directed by the writer of Bring It On, which makes sense that we would yep. we would draw that parallel. We talked about the uh, one of Missy Peregrine's stunt doubles was named Jessica Miyagi. That's pretty sweet, just because. <laughs> Ending on the soundtrack, I think there's a lot of what the movie's about wrapped up in the soundtrack. A lot of these songs, the ones that I know anyway, are about rebellion, are about you know just feeling misunderstood, just feeling like you're going crazy like you have no control over anything and from the beginning of the movie that's the motif that we have that's the theme and then at the end of the movie you realize that there's always some way to kind of be able to wrestle that control in your favor by in this case doing what they do and coming up with this genius plan to thwart the system so do you have any uh, reviews in front of you i do we kind of went over everything i have one from sean axe maker of i think this is the seattle times it's teen rebel drama stick it gets a 10 for empowerment as the past decades of olympic competition will attest gymnastics is dominated by an increasingly younger slate of girls pushing their growing bodies to the physical limits to meet the rigorous guidelines of judging criteria the girls strike back with stick it a sports empowerment fantasy of the best kind this teen rebel drama has a cause to take the sport back from the edicts of its times arbitrary judges and redefine it as a form of self-expression and personal achievement. Writer-director Jessica Benninger breathes new life into old cliches. The former music video director celebrates the achievement of the athletes and the beauty of the movement with a fresh style and a dynamic look, and she energizes the drama with attitude, cheeky humor, and youthful energy. Most importantly, she delivers a message of solidarity, strength of character, and standing up for yourself and your friends against calcified judges and competition-hungry parents with a triumphant charge that see now that's a good review that i feel like that's the most accurate review that that i've heard that nails it i think like this is a movie that like i said at the beginning you had suggested surprised me because it was one of those things like even beyond like the level of street fighter and just like some of the other really really random ones that we've done on this show like i never expected anyone to see this movie and so when you said it it was pleasure to to revisit and and watch again yeah it's just a good good movie movie to remind you like as we get older and I don't know I don't know you how you feel about this but I constantly struggle with my rebellious nature I mean you knew me in high school and college and after that and stuff like that and I you know I was never out burning down houses or anything like that but there's always been this part of me that's like anti-authority and just not wanting to kind of be told like what's right and what's wrong or to put it in this movie's terms, to be judged by somebody who doesn't know me or know like what's going on. As we get older and we've got responsibilities and 
things that might prevent us from acting out specifically against things like that, this was a good movie to remind you that there are still ways to do that within the parameters of the system. That's an important thing to remember. Absolutely. The only other notes that I had is one of the things that really struck me with the trivia is before the in-house competition, the girls are spraying stickum beneath their leotards. The stickum prevents their leotards from riding up into a wedgie. During a competition, if a gymnast de-wedgies herself during a routine, the judges will deduct from her score. Oh my god! So that was like the biggest thing of being like, yeah, these judges, like, what is with that sport that like a 12-year-old girl can't de-wedgie herself? So what are you supposed to do? Either just leave it or take the deduction? Like that's that's just a weird thing to talk about. And the fact that there's maybe the, what's it called? Stick'em? Stick'em. That doesn't even sound like a real thing. That sounds like, I don't know, that sounds like a King of the Hill product that like he would use to to fix something. I don't know. Maybe whoever makes Stick'em is in league with the uh, U.S. Gymnastics Association and they said, hey, can you start taking off points for wedgies? Because we got this idea. We'll cut you in. It's basically spray adhesive for your butt cheeks. It's ridiculous. So stick it. We invite you to check it out. We invite you to, where did you watch it? On DVD? I rented it from Amazon at $3.99, but it's probably like a dollar at your video game exchange if, the, if that's the rental price. You could buy it for $4.99, but I like to have, you know me, I have a DVD collection, so I will find it and add it to it. You could buy it on Prime for $4.99? Yes. Oh, wow. Nice. That's that's a bargain. And I'm not I'm not there yet in my adulthood with uh, keeping a digital library of your films. I know that's kind of where we're going as time progresses, but I just don't understand it still. (laughs) Well, I'm on the opposite side. I've gotten to the point where I've tried to keep everything digitally that I can and that which I can't, I've tried to rip from the DVDs and ultimately upload digitally only because I don't know, it just seems simpler to work with with one remote. But who knows? I mean, for all I know, doing that could be giving Zuckerberg and the FBI and the CIA much, much more information about me than you. Not to get it. I mean, I know we're wrapping up, but how do you (laughs) maybe this will be helpful for audience? How do you how do you store all that? How do you have all that memory? I mean, there are plenty of different ways like so your fire stick, you can buy movies through Prime and then they're stored in your Prime account and they stream from your Prime account. So you can watch them like either on your TV or your phone or your computer or whatever, or an app called Plex, where you basically you have a computer that's running all the time. And on that computer are all your digital movies. And then through the Plex app, like on your phone or on your Fire Stick, you access that computer and just pull up the movies and stream them from that computer. So like I have movies that aren't available on Prime, aren't available on any streaming services, like really, really old, really shitty karate movies that I love that are stored on this really crappy computer that's sole purpose is to be a storage for movies and, you know, probably some other like backup files. And then you can just sort of like portal them in and watch them from there. It's very rare. And I was actually surprised. It's rare to find movies that don't exist on some streaming platform, but there are a few. And you know me, once I, once I figure out that something's not available, I kind of get obsessive of like, well, I'm going to make it available. I'm going to, (laughs) I'm going to work around this and I'm going to figure it out. Whether it's like ripping a physical DVD to a digital file and then putting it on the server and then streaming it from there. There are ways. And I will say that like, like you, I had a 
ton of DVDs that I realized I kind of just didn't need anymore. And I know that the nostalgia factor and the, you know, the physical feel of a DVD and the, I just think, you know, we're, we're different that way and different is good. But I just got to the point where I was like, I could probably make space for something else if I got rid of a lot of these DVDs. I mean, I just, I have like the cast of Up within me. Like I have that inner child that just will never grow up. And then I have the old Carmageddon man that I mean, I, I don't, I don't have paperless bills. I still write checks. Oh, so I write checks. I'm <laughs> with you there. I write checks. I like. Okay. I like. I like doing checks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm with you right there. So we're. We're not. We're not that different. So. <laughs> but the point. Watch Thicket. It's a good movie. Watch Thicket and give credit where credit is due. This is not an average sports movie. It's not an average teen movie. It's not an average girl movie. It's not even like an average competition movie. It's just all these kind of extraordinary threads woven into a very serviceable, very enjoyable movie. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better. Well, all right. Then we appreciate you checking out this episode of Second Chance Cinema. Follow up at the end here, and you can learn how to follow us on social media and let us know if you enjoy the show, don't enjoy the show, seek to become a Yelp elite, whatever that is, by reviewing. We do not offer elite status, and we certainly do not offer gift certificates or free meals on the show, but we do hope that you enjoyed it and we hope that you'll come back again soon. Thanks very much from Second Chance Cinema. I am MC. I am Spro. Peace out. Stop a track, put on your hoods. Into it, I do it, I've done it. If you really, really want it, then play or stop fronting. Hey, boy, you know I'm your type. 5'2 and with my jeans real tight. My curves, they swear, so superb. My word is my word and I came to serve. We want this, we want this, we want this, we want this, Hey guys, Sticker was produced by Touchstone Pictures and Spyglass Entertainment. It was distributed by Bueno Vista Pictures. Second Chance Cinema is a fan of the film and urges you to check it out. Closing credits music is We Run This by Missy Elliott from the film soundtrack. Thank you for listening to this episode of Second Chance Cinema. If you have any comments, questions, corrections, or would like to recommend a movie for a future show, you could reach us at 2ndchancecinema at gmail.com. We have a Second Chance Cinema Facebook group. You can find us on Twitter at MCNSpro or check us out on Instagram at 2ndchancecinema. To help our little show out, please tell your friends about us. Leave a review wherever you listen and be sure to subscribe and download each episode you listen to as those simple steps makes us much more visible in the universe which makes these fine secret cinematic masterpieces more visible. And isn't that really the whole point? Now go on and have a beautiful day, you wonderful person, you. And remember, the golden algorithm is this. If the critics' score on Rotten Tomatoes is half of the audience's score, there's a good chance you are going to like that film. <laughs> Enjoy your day. In the place, y'all. Oh, yeah. Now, is my fellas in the place, y'all? Oh, yeah. Oh, get your back up off the